I'm Nathan Gould. And I'm Lazarus Gromos, and welcome to The Back Peg, episode nine. Is that right, Nathan? Episode nine? The number's creeping up, isn't it? It is. And I believe it is episode nine. There you go. And Laz, we got a, a guest on for this week's episode. Yeah, we've got uh, entrepreneur, sports administrator, jack of all trades, but uh, I would call him the Espanol ambassador, uh, Jason Cowland. Be great to pick his brain on uh, all things Espanol and Australian football, so very much yeah. looking forward to it. Yeah, so the best team in Barcelona, Espanol. <laughs> You've got that in early. <laughs> <laughs> Joining us on today's Back Peg is Jason Cowland, who is an entrepreneur and sports administrator and man of many hats. Thanks for joining us, Jason. Uh, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it. Jason, um, we just wanted to get you on because we, you and I have known each other for a little while, uh, full disclosure, and we've uh, been talking about um, your involvement in football locally and uh, how you can, um, what opportunities you see there in the game locally, as far as from a youth development aspect is concerned and a coaching development aspect is concerned. And in fact, the overall sports administration aspect. Um, and uh, I'm fascinated with the relationship that you've built with um, Espanol, who is my favorite team in Barcelona, right? <laughs> That's, is that, is that, did, did you say that because uh, you know that they've got, they've given me about 10 copies of this proper packaged up, souvenir scarf box so oh, I, there you go. I told you that so no. if you're saying that it sounds like i have to get you one. Oh, mate you feel free to because i don't follow the other team you know <laughs> the other barcelona team i've got you know not really all that uh much of a fan of but that other one <laughs> yeah that other one that's right so uh tell us how you came to get involved with uh, and establish your connection with espanol yeah no thanks thanks um Lazarus and nathan uh, again appreciate being on um look it's it goes back a a number of years now developing this right relationship and and there's many there's many pieces of the puzzle and i'll, I'll tell you about that um like you said uh Lazarus, I've, I've had uh entrepreneurial background but largely re related to strategy around property project developments and all sorts of things but behind the scenes um, I've done much of the sports administration stuff I, I was never a football player I actually I was an eight-year-old but after that I was playing quite regularly field hockey quite a high level in, in Melbourne which um, you know I wasn't a great player but I was playing with some good players I had to work really hard to get there um, and then when I came to Sydney about 15 years ago I was playing other sports as well and through that I was I became president of Australian Sporting Association only a small sport here but it is recognized by the uh, International Olympic Committee in Europe that led to um, a, a planned trip to to Spain about six years ago and I thought I, I wouldn't mind connecting with some of these professional football clubs and just seeing what is it they do, how do they operate, particularly in the area of all sorts of things. So I'd written a letter to um, uh, FC Barcelona and Real Madrid, obviously, and um, they they actually answered. Um, so it was uh, I, I did have some help. Um, I had someone translate Spanish for me and ring up the clubs. And long story short, I went and met with them um, to learn a little bit about what they do. And and I have to say, guys, I was absolutely overwhelmed with the with the uh, the gratitude that they, they uh, entrusted in me uh, how open they were I mean um you know it, Barca gave me a signed Messi jersey believe it or not um and all I got from Real Madrid was a, an annual report some free tickets to the Bernabeu Stadium <laughs> tour um and so what what happened is that got me thinking about how can I learn 
more of their professional process and, and apply that to some elements in Australian sport. Um, and, and with no disrespect to anybody, but I've always felt that um, Australian sport management, and I've been across many, many industries, it's, it's very much built in. They only employ the people in the game. They don't get people from outside. And this happens in all industry verticals. The interesting thing was with Barca, I mean, I was there with Barca for three hours. I mean, it got to a stage where I was actually really cold. I wanted to leave, but they kept talking to me and all this sort of stuff. And, uh, you know, we, you know we, we were there and, and, and my partner was with me and we asked the question, what if, what if you have some you know, young player who's really, you know, really good and all this sort of stuff but creates a few problems, you know, like we have here, alcohol, this stuff? The answer was very simple, get rid of them. We always got another player to come through. So that led to then the year after I was going back and I was aware of the new Barca SB Barca program, they were going to rebuild the stadium and such. And um, I met with the project manager through one of the Barca, FC Barca directors at the time. And, um, and, and, and I was trying to put my CV in the ring about getting on board with them for the new stadium development. And, and to, you know, um, they actually gave me the, the, the book, um, the, the SB 360 book, which is the whole program development of the Barca facilities. And then with, um, and then with um, their three development uh, program of youth development. And then with Real Madrid, they were talking to me about uh, the Bernabeu redevelopment and they were even going to put in a cafe Real Madrid, like, you know, um, like a hard rock cafe. And they were asking my opinion about it. And I gave them some feedback in the Asia Pacific market about what they should do, what they shouldn't do, don't saturate the market. But it was that year that the Espanol connection opened up. Um, and it is important that I share that background with you because that year was the year I also met Espanol. And they, obviously being a smaller profile club, but quite a rich history, and um, as, you, as you all know, and they were very, very uh, open about meeting with me, who I was. And the synergy there was very quick that, hey, there might be an opportunity. They don't know much about the Australian market. They weren't doing a lot in Asia Pacific. They were in China because they're owned by the Chinese now, and that's another story about how that happened. And so that fostered over a number of years, and 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 through that through that process, I was starting to look at what's happening on the Australian market with with youth development, and what was noticeable to me was that that we are very focused, like all markets, we're very focused on the big, high profile branded clubs, the the Real Madrid, the Barca, the the Man U, the Liverpool, you know, Juventus, and all this sort of stuff. But when you actually start getting involved with the club. Uh, you start to see where the real engine room is in their in their youth development, and 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 Espanol really are a breeding ground of of talent for for football. Um, you know, as as is the others, but the others build their success largely on some purchasing power opportunities, particularly with. And and with no disrespect, everyone, I, I am disappointed with where the EPL has gone. It's just really now just overblown, money saturation. A lot of the players, in my opinion, are, are just so overvalued. I mean, you just look at the squad values in the World Cup and, you know, the English squad was double the size of everyone. They couldn't get past the, you know, couldn't even get to the semis. But what what that then saw, saw to me was that there was a youth development focus that I think could be adopted into the Australian framework and coaching as well, the way the, the the way the coaching was happening. So I started to explore that a little bit more, and through that process, 
a lot of people don't know this too, but FIFA had taken a few years to go around the world and identify who are the best youth development clubs that they wanted to focus on to see about players for the future, how they're developing them. And they only picked 13 clubs. Believe it or not, Espanol were one of the ones chosen. And 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 the interesting thing is the connection is really good now that when they were actually chosen straight away on WhatsApp, you know, I've got I've got my contact in Espanol. He's Straight away, he said, hey, Jason, we, we got it. We got it. But don't say anything because it's not going to be officially announced for two weeks. But within that, within that, I started helping them with a, a, a more of a global focus on their youth development, not their strategy, but about what they do. But in terms of trying to get that promotion worldwide, Espanol started a, a youth academy sort of development newsletter. I helped them sort of build some sort of uh, narrative around how we can do that. And then um, we had a look at the, they had a global map of uh, where Espanol is actually in terms of representation, whether it be academies and all this sort of stuff. And there was a gaping hole in South America and there was a gaping hole in Australia, Asia Pacific. And obviously I was representing down here. So I said, look, let's try do something. They wanted to do that. But what I pressed upon them is we don't want to go in and do some sort of Espanol Academy. Um, and, and there's many reasons for that, and I won't get into that right now. But what we wanted to do is, and I said to them, what we need to build is the methodology about uh, almost selling education packages for your youth development and your coaching that is a lot cheaper to bring to the market. It can be open to any club, academy, university, school, and it's an online engagement process. So through that, we had, um, and, and given you, I'm, I'm trying to give you 30, 40 minutes of something yeah, that's happened for six years. But, uh, <laughs> but um, and, and look, yeah, I mean, that that's not to be... Yeah, every time I go there, um, I've got, look, I'm going there again in April. I've already got a couple of meetings lined up with them. And I, I have to tell you guys, uh, yeah, we, we, I'm being quite open and honest here, um, is that it it does dawn upon me when I'm walking up the promenade to the stadium and it's a 40,000-seater stadium and I'm thinking how many people there are in Australia that's involved in football professionally and played pretty well Uh and I'm the one walking up the stadium to have the meeting. I, right. I, I yeah. So sometimes yeah. I found that hard to resonate with myself, but but in a positive way, I saw that also through this that obviously Australia has a very very saturated market in terms of the EPL for obvious reasons. You know, over the over you know largely we came from the British sort of heritage oh. to British culture, and I had a look at also I really think the Spanish football methodology and their skill level and how they go about the game is untapped and we haven't really gone into that too much i know adelaide united in the a league has dabbled in the in the spanish right. players and and you probably know this but yavi lopez who's playing for adelaide united now he was the captain of espanol for 10 years right. so um yeah i know they've dabbled into it but i think at the youth development level there's been a bit of fracture about what is the best approach you know so now i can't I can't influence that as much. All I can do is try, have a look at how can we bring some of this methodology and teaching from really good quality Spanish youth clubs and bring them to Australia. And what 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 sort of pressed upon me more so was a lot of their uh, marketing collateral, they don't use that well. I mean, there's a very important tournament over there um, in Spain called the La Liga Promises. 
okay? And that's a youth-level tournament, usually under 11, under 12, I think mm-hmm. it is. And all the top clubs play. And then as the as the, as the the tournament has developed, uh, what, what La Liga do is invite other clubs. So uh, not this year, last year, at the end of last year or the start of this year, I can't remember exactly when, La Liga invited Juventus. They invited Liverpool and they invited um, one of the German clubs to, I think, their youth. Now, this is the amazing thing. You've got the... You've got the Liverpools, you've got the Juventus, you've got the, I'm not sure if Chelsea were there, but you've got the Real Madrid, you've got the Atletico Madrid, you've got Real Betis, uh, you've got FC Barca, uh, and Espanyol won that tournament, okay? Now, to win that tournament at that youth level, they had to beat Liverpool, they beat them 2-1, they drew against Sevilla, I think, they knocked off Real Madrid in the penalty shootout, and then in the final, they came up against FC Barcelona and they won 2-1. And I did a post on that on my my, uh, LinkedIn page, and the post wasn't so much to say, hey, look what Espanyol did. I mean, it, it was that. But there's another element to it that some of the photographs that were from that tournament, it really showed kids at that level, um, firstly, their skill level, but also after the game, how they were consoling each other. Mm. It was sort of like really arm in arm, young Barca player with Espanyol player embracing each other, that sort of stuff. And that that really resonated with me as well in terms of a lot of the culture stuff that we don't have here. So it, it, what, what I'm trying to do in some sense is I'm now sort of helping Espanyol more with a global, global focus on, on, on how, we, how we can do this. Bearing in mind, I'm here, there, there. So it's the the priority of it is not right at the top of their their listing, but but it's it's in the mix, and we're trying to slowly progress that, um, as well as the best opportunity I think is for people that want to, whether it be a club, a university, um, an academy, a school, whatever, if they want that immersion experience, because that's what it is. Okay, it's not to go over there and do a trial. It's an immersion experience. They need to go over there, do the experience, do the professional training with the Espanol, understand how it works, meet the coach, all this sort of stuff. Um, and it appeals to me because, and I've spoken to people in the market here who have done lots of European tours, and it's great to go to the big branded clubs and do the training because it looks good. Oh, we trained at Man U. Mm. But 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 the reality is, and I'm probably being a little bit biased here, I know with Espanyol there's a sense of we actually care about you coming here. So the coach that you'll get will be the proper youth academy coach and it's not going to be come in, do the 45 minutes and you're out. It's going to be come in, do it and spend some time, be part of the family and really extend that cultural connection as well. So I'm not sure if that answered your question, guys, but that, yeah. that's where it all got to. To the point, let me let me just add one more thing, to the point, they were really struggling with, uh, not struggling, I guess, but there was a sense of how do we do this concept with bringing what we know is an offshore academy model into some online learning model. And and in saying that, we're still in its infancy, but but this all came about because when I went back there a couple of years ago, I, I gave them a bit of feedback. I said, look, what, what we can probably do, which is a lot less cost intrusive for everybody and a lot less risk adverse for everybody, is to try this online program. And ironically, they had, I mean, Espanol is very recognised in Europe for their youth academy training. So they have clubs coming all the time, training, doing their professional model. And some of the clubs have sort of said, hey, we want we almost want to purchase more of this opportunity. And that's what evolved. So 
they they had a contract for the academy model. You know, it was about thirty five pages of the contract, which is a standard thing that you know every club will have to have their professional academy. And given my background, particularly with stakeholder engagement, contract management, all this sort of stuff, dealing with lots of lawyers and having, let's just say, not battles with lawyers, but just putting lawyers where they should be and understanding I'll do the commercial part, you do the legal part. What I did was I took that that document and I really carved it up and, and, and reduced that significantly to make it a less intrusive for the user. So they're not reading a contract thinking, oh, this 35 pages of, you know, you're responsible for everything sign here type thing. And then I put in some more um, things like, you know, some definitions, make sure it's all clear. And they ran that past their their lawyer group and they were fine with it. So, you know, we've got that ticked off now. I've got another club in Adelaide who's very close to to signing agreement again to pilot that model. And, uh, and again, it's a sense of I come to the table with these clubs and say, hey, look, when we come in, it's got to be done together, okay? It, it's a pilot model. You, we've got to understand what you like about it, what you don't like about it, because it's a learning exercise. And there's one, another really important thing that I found with Espanol too, and I found this generally with the Spanish because I do some other stuff with um, some guys out of the Cruyff Institute, the uh, Cruyff Football Academy and all this sort of stuff. What I found is never do they really impose what they believe is the right way. They're very, they're very, they're very forward in saying, this is what we do. What you do is up to you. You can take away what you think is right for you, you know? And there, and and look, I when I go over there, there's many other offline meetings I have, sometimes with their youth academy coaches. And it's not to talk about the, the training, because I'm not a coach, but it's just more to talk about what's their mindset in terms of doing some coaching? How would they train? Yeah, and, and that's what come, really resonates with me is it, it's their approach on how they do it, how they develop a kid, how they give pseudo coaching to a kid without actually doing the coaching. You know, so this is this is where it's all going, guys, and and, and it's quite exciting. But you know, again, uh, it's very difficult to influence anything in the Australian market, and I'm not here to influence anything. I'm just here to offer uh, a, an opportunity for people to connect directly with a professional La Liga club, because as you guys know, there's many of these connections that exist, but they're not direct. It'll come from someone who's got a license, some this, some that. I know somebody, third-party agent. or This is not that. This is direct to the club, and that's where the relationship will be established, you know. So that that's how it all came came into that, and that was, that was uh, the journey so far, so to speak. Yeah, wow, so much to unpack from, uh, from what you were talking there and so many questions spawn off the back of all those sort of talking points that you brought up and... One thing that we saw this week was the announcement of a partnership between Adelaide City and Atalanta in Syria, and that, although it's not the same, falls into a similar style of, I believe it to be a direct youth academy coaching and potentially some administration development as well. How important do you think these are, specifically with a one-to-one club, say an NPL club, to an overseas team, a European side? Is it the case of there's plenty to learn from these clubs specifically, or is it just a general sense of what it's like in Europe? That's Again, that's a good question. I think it comes down to there's a couple of things here. Um, there needs to be a, we just talk about the Australian clubs, there needs to be a sense of openness, regardless what your personal flavour is. And I think that um, our opportunities here are very hindered by the fact of personal flavour 
whether it be with a league or a club or this, that and the other. So I think if we can remove, and that can, guys, that can only come down to one thing. It can only come down to the direction of the club and the leadership of the club. Now, I've seen this before where basically even, yeah, and I'm speaking freely here, guys. I mean, I've got yeah. nothing to hold back on. Oh. In my opinion, sometimes the direction of the club in respect to your question can be held back by the opinion of the technical director, you know? And I think that, you know, the best technical director, and I tell you now, I've been with the technical directors at Espanol. They don't think they've got the greatest process in the world. They, I'll give you, I'll share some information with you and this will answer your question. When FC Barca were playing in the Champions League, we know they've faltered a little bit, um, but when they're playing in the Champions League, obviously the teams playing against Barca when they had to play in, in, in Barcelona had to train somewhere before the match. Where do you think they trained? Espanol, okay? They trained at the Espanol ground. Now, the question is, Espanol could, if they wanted to, make an absolute monetary killing on that. But the decision was that they don't do that. And the reason why, it's more valuable for them to have a relationship with other clubs and share information and further refine their methodology. You know, they don't give away all their secrets, of course. No one does that. But there is a sense of semi-cooperation there. There is a sense of let's be a bit flexible with a few things so we can constantly learn and refine. And that's what I think is, I don't want to say it's missing in Australian clubs. It's there, but I don't think it's as flexible as it should be because it is somewhat constrained by, I guess, certain opinions or certain certain things that maybe people feel like they've got to protect their position. And, 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 and guys, this is not unique to football, okay? I've been across many industry verticals and there is something about, uh, as much as I love this country, there is something about the Australian mindset, Australian culture that has to be very protective. Don't share that. Don't do that. Don't because I'm protecting. We as a football nation have so much to offer. And one thing that I value about the Australian football player, both men and women, is they have the physical aspect. Now, Craig Goodwin said this after the World Cup. It was very important what he said. Physically, we know we can match it. But the technical application and that education application, we don't. And that's what we can take from these overseas clubs and not necessarily to take away from big branded profile clubs to take away from proper youth development clubs and develop those relationships. Now, should a club link with one direct club or should they be open? I, I, I don't know the answer to that. You know, I think in some respects, it's it's a 50-50, you know. So, yeah, it's a, it's, but I, where I see the, st the sticking block is let's just be more open and less protective about what we're trying to do, whether it be as a club or, you know, because the opportunity to learn, engage more, it's there. It really is there. It doesn't need to be protected. You've got to bring it in, learn it, develop it, go to the next step. And what's even more important about opening the door to that is these people can then start getting that direct relationship with these clubs and it fosters those connections, you know, so there's the immersion experience and it leads to something else. And for their own personal career, who knows where it could go, mm. you know? Did I answer your question? Uh <laughs> certainly did. Certainly did. I yes. Think so. Yeah. <laughs> so, 
Jason, um, with regards to the women's game in particular or the girls' game, what are Espanyol doing that's, that they've adapted differently, if anything, to um, what they had existing given the growth in the women's game, especially in Spain at the moment and worldwide? Very, very good question. Now, and, and actually, that's a very good question. In When I go there in April, um, we... Uh, my partner's Spanish, um, and she, along with myself, will be actually pre- doing a presentation to the to the women's Espanol team, the second team, not the first team. I mention that because it ties into the question that you yeah, asked. Sure. Is that uh, the Espanol women's teams have been around for fifty years? Okay, so they're they're quite entrenched in the one hundred and twenty year history of the club. One thing that has been brought to the... So, so in terms of the women participating in football at reasonably good levels, it's always been there. What's been missing, and it's still missing now, and and I'm, I'm uh, it, it's very difficult to bridge the gap of the financial return to the players given the revenue raising and all that, but it definitely is on the radar. And uh, one thing that I feel over the last, even over the last few years that have come to the table, and I'm only speaking Espanol here, is that there's more of a focus of of whatever the men get, the women got to get some of that as well. Now, they might not get it in terms of their pay scale, but they do need to get some what personal personal development training. They do need to get access to this. They do need to have a full-time strength and conditioning coach as an example, these sorts of things need to be brought to the table. They do need to have a greater representation and say in the club about what the women's needs are. That is definitely developing, you know. Um, and and, and you know, I'll be honest here, you know, the advocate to say everything should be equal and it's you just cannot get, I mean, if you did that overnight, the clubs would go bankrupt, you know. There is more of a greater sense too in terms of sponsorship for the women's game. Absolutely. I mean, I have seen it over the last six years myself. There are companies out there, they want to sponsor the women's team. Now, that didn't happen a number of years ago, you know, where that has been happening a lot more, you know. And to be honest, I think that the Matildas are quite fortunate, you know. They've got some good backers now. Um, So, you know, in my my view, um, I've seen... I've seen the development of that. Now, what's helped to that, particularly in the Spanish league, is you've got Alexa Patelis, who, can I say, came through the Espanol youth system. And I did, and I've got a photo of Alexa Patelis with an Espanol trophy in an Espanol jersey. Can I, I, I tell you that? Wow. If you check on my LinkedIn post, you'll see that I put something there. When she won her first Balloon d'Or, <laughs> the class of Espanol, yeah. the first thing they did was, hey, look at this. And it was a fun, so I posted that. <laughs> <laughs> but but again, that that's a testament as well to that was. Well, yeah. I mean, Alexa Patelis, we're talking about the greatest player, female player in the world. She's 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 Phenomenal. sensational. She's right? yeah. now she came through the Espanol youth system, and she was long. She was there longer than five minutes. Okay, but she wore the shirt and she's got the trophy. Um, and now she's with Barca, and I think the last time I checked the the table, I, I don't think they've lost. I think they've won that, twenty that, games straight. I don't think they've even lost that, a game yet. That's an incredible record in itself. Something like eighty nine goals. Four, yeah. four goals against and 20 wins. Yeah. It's crazy. And, 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 and I will say this too. One, one thing that I love about the, the women's game, it, you know, it hasn't been, I guess, as influenced by purchasing power of clubs. It's it's talent, okay? Right. Um, now, of course, is you know, six and one, half a dozen the other. But 
I, I want to talk a little bit about the because I went and saw the the, the Matilda's Spain game mm-hmm. recently at Combank here in Sydney, and um, I have to say the Matildas the, the counter attack play they did in that first half was was very productive. They scored three goals, you know. But I, I don't know if you guys know this about the about the dispute on the the women's side in the Spanish team. Do you yeah, know about yes. this? Yes. Yeah. Indeed. So, yeah, no, we're, so we're over but, it. yeah, yeah, that's right. So, look, you're talking about 13 of the best players, but at the end of the day, no excuse. The the team that goes onto the park is a team that represents the nation. So, the only thing I want to say about that is uh, I saw in that game, particularly in the second half, I wanted Australia to be a bit bolder. Okay, it's only a lead up. I didn't feel you needed to have a sense on we need to hang on to this to win the match. I felt like it's a leader. You're playing a high-quality side. I mean, in the second half, Australia had nothing. You know, they really were on the back foot. They played the breakaway, a few goals, but it was all offside. But you could see that it was almost a sense of, and I just felt from a coaching perspective, he should have pushed them, let's try play out, let's try do it, let's try get some possession, because that's what's going to take at the World Cup, you know. And to Sam Kerr's credit, she really acknowledged something important after the match. She 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 wasn't overly excited, but she really said, "Hey, it's just a, a build up. Yeah, We've 100%. got to impre- And I I really like what she said. I, I think the players are making the right noises. Yeah, the tools actually um, in the lead up to the World Cup. So, yeah. but there was and, and and Lazarus, sorry to cut you off, there, no, mate, no. but you you really saw in that game, and I hope the Australian public saw too, is that you know. Everybody wants the materials to be successful, but but as a unit, as a development opportunity, particularly for the women, I think the women have got a better opportunity to develop their talent more technically uh-huh. if they if they if they follow something like the Spanish model. I mean, I'm probably being biased here, sure. but you only have to look at that game no, with you know 13 of their first players out, and you saw you saw what it was. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and I think. Over recent years in Australian football, it's been too much influenced by one style over the other or one country's identity over another. And Australian football has suffered because of that. I think we spoke about in a recent episode, Laz, that Australian football produces too many central midfielders, too many players that are possession style, no one with any real sort of attacking intent, any instincts. And that's why players in the men's A-League, like Grand Qual, like Iren Kunda at the moment, they really do catch the eye because they are something a little bit different to what we have been seeing in Australian football for almost a decade now, I'd say. And you're right to mention that there is a lot to learn from the Spanish system, just like there is from a whole host of other European identities. And a lot of that, yes, you can point fingers perhaps at the governing body, but it's also down to the clubs and the way they develop players. I agree. There's an interesting stat I want to talk to you about, and then I want to get on to something really quickly about, about the Cruyff methodology. There was a stat posted by La Liga when Real Madrid won the Champions League again over Liverpool last last season, 1-0. And it was an incredible stat. For, in the last 20 years, in the 2000s, all the, all the European titles, men's and women's, um, Spain, the, Spain had won the most. Mm-hmm. They had won 33 titles. Do you know who which country was next? Mm. It, it was England. Mm. I was going to say it on, would be England. Yeah, it was England on how many titles? I would say probably seven. They had 13. There you go. So there was 20 titles difference, okay? Mm. It was just it, it, that that one stat alone yeah. <laughs> says it all. I mean, yeah. and this is something I think the Australian media has to take on too. Now, Real Madrid won the European Championship three years in a row. Uh-huh. You virtually didn't even hear about it here. I mean, two finals, there was one final, then another final, another final. 
It was Real Madrid, Atletico Madrid. That's right. You know, twice in three years. Those two finals, you, you didn't even hear about it here. But when but, Liverpool but, played them, yeah, you heard about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And if Liverpool, uh, sorry, if Man U won the Europa League, it's all over the press here. So, but, but they, these are things, okay? We can accept mm. all these things. It's just a way yeah. of going. But I want to talk to you about something else, how these opportunities evolve. Because through this network, if you don't mind, guys, through this network, I then introduced to another guy um, who's uh, got his own professional football academy out at Salou, and he was a ex-professional uh, Espanol player. He had the Espanol residency uh, contract. He wanted me to help him get some players over there and just do an experience, all this sort of stuff. And we did a little bit of that. Um, but what came out of that really is 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 now I've been asked to. There's a there's one of the head coaches of the MLS in in the US, a Spanish guy, um, incredible portfolio. I've had a video call with him and and some colleagues from Barcelona, and they've asked me now to canvas the opportunity to maybe see if he wants to come and you know coach at A League or something like that. It's only in its infancy, but we're talking a little bit about it. But these are the types of things that I think that. You know, we want to develop our own talent here. I definitely agree. We want talent identified and developed here as best we can. But opportunities like this to bring in different um, coaches and things and really have that international flavour developing our young talent because it'll be a cycle of evolution. Eventually, when we get that built up here, then we can have more export of talent, you know. So it's been an interesting um, divergence in which now I'm being asked to, to to look at representation of this 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 coach who, when you look at his portfolio, this guy has really delivered the goods in youth development. You know, he's had so many players go through his his coaching. He's a first team coach. He's the methodology director. He's got many players now, all different levels, trialing or playing in the US national team, as well as the nationals, Puerto Rico, Peru, all this sort of stuff. So there's been an interesting divergence, however, one contact leads to, uh, leads yeah. to another. But my focus really, how can this apply for, for a better football opportunity for, for Australians? Mm. I, I think the success factor for it would be how we can actually, as, from an Australian football perspective, would be how do the grassroots club clubs uh, be able to interact with the likes of Espanol, right? Um, and that's a, a really positive thing in, in terms of developing players at a really young age, but also the coaching uh, aspect of those players as well, right? And and the coaches themselves. And, and, you know, I can see great benefit of some kind of system like that being introduced into the local football scene. We'd love to get you back on, Jason, and actually talk about that and other things as well. When I come back, I can give you a rundown. I'll be there. And uh, look, I've got a, I've got a, I've actually been invited. Look, I, just one thing really quickly. I, when I get there, there's the Espanol youth tournament that they're having there. Um, someone's come to me. They're going to have their Australian guy. They're going to have their, their kid over in Barcelona. He knows me. He's been over there a few times. I got him to do some professional training with his young kid at Espanol and also at this uh, Cruyff Academy. And he and I said to him, I said, hey, listen, you're going to be over there when this Espanol Youth Academy Cup is on. Do you want me to try to get you into a team there? And um, now that's just unheard of. You know, yeah. that just wouldn't happen. So I spoke to I spoke to Espanol, said, good, guys, look, we know that, yeah, he might not be the best player in the world, but here's an opportunity. Give him an experience. And of course, I said, yeah, no problem. Let's 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 work it out. So that and that's going to happen. So in fact, last awesome. night I got the. In fact, last night the Espanol guys came to me and said, "Look, which type of kit does he want? This, 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 this." And you know, we got him tickets to the game, so we will go to the game and this sort of really? stuff. So, 
Yeah. So, and, and and again, it's just about that connection that really get involved, understand and build it from there. Oh, that's brilliant. Jason, we want to thank you for your time, for joining us on the back peg. Uh, enjoy uh, Spain in April. It's a beautiful time of year. <laughs> and uh, we look forward to getting you back on. And congratulations on the show, guys. Lazarus, I remember we, we 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 had a coffee a long time, well, not yes. that long ago, but you spoke about the podcast. And when yeah. I saw that you had got it started, I, I hadn't had the opportunity to even, even privately congratulate you. So I want to congratulate you both. Um, and I look forward to catching up with you again. And, and don't worry, I'll keep one of those scarves for you, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that Espanol, the best team in Barcelona. There you go. <laughs> uh, thanks Fantastic. Again, Thank you very much for joining us on the back peg. And uh, you've been brilliant. Thanks very much, guys. Adios, amigo.